can't lie. Chicago sports made me want to cry right now. On Sunday, the Bears ugh, scored 28 straight points to lead the Denver Broncos 28-7. Then Broncos scored 24 straight for the comeback victory. Oh, man, it was just, it was depressing. Really, really depressing. 31-28, Bears lose. Bears are 0-4. Huge letdown. Big-time letdown. They look great, and then they looked awful, just like they have all season. Actually, all season they've just looked awful. There wasn't any great attached to it. This week, we had some positive. We had some, oh, man, we could get a win just to have hearts broken, shattered. I don't know what's up with this Bears team. They have talent. Of course, there's some weak spots. But to be this bad, the Broncos were winless too. It's not like they're world beaters that they had guys or a team that you're like, oh yeah, they're going to score 24 straight points in the second half and win this game. No, 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 no. You never thought Denver Broncos would do that either. So just a really bad game. Bears are awful. I'm wearing my Justin Field jersey as much as I can this year because next year I think it's going to be irrelevant and he's no longer on the team. (sighs) White Sox, they've been awful all season. They didn't make the playoffs. Then the Chicago Cubs lay an egg at the end of the season and couldn't get a wild card spot when they pretty much had it locked in. If they would have won like three out of four, two out of five the next week, then maybe four out of four, you know, something like that. They didn't even have to win every game, but they pretty much lost every game and that was season over. But at the same time, the Cubs were fun to watch all year and for them to have a shot at a wild card was pretty exciting because nobody, nobody at the beginning of the season was like, oh yeah, the Cubs could be a potential playoff team. That was never said one time until the middle of the season and then they won 10 games in a row and it's like, whoa, this Cubs team could be something. So I got to give them props for doing that, for making the end of the season relevant and watchable and listenable. I'm a radio guy when I'm doing things that I'm doing. So I listened to a lot of games on the radio, including the Cubs. It was disappointing, but hey, they had a good season. I won't say great, but they had a good season, a productive season, and a better than expected season. But we'll move on. We got the Blackhawks and the Bulls right around the corner. Blackhawks, I believe, in postseason, preseason, not postseason, preseason playing tonight. I saw a score come on. So, you know, we're getting right around to the winter sports. So we'll have other stuff to jeer, boo, and complain about because the Blackhawks and the Bulls are not going to be any better than the Cubs, the White Sox, the Bears. Okay, they'll be better than the Bears, but not going to be celebratory seasons for either of the winter sports. Anyway, let's move on before we start crying and get real depressed on Edge of Your Seat Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Lachance. Always a pleasure to be doing this show, talking about things that we love, talking to people that are talking about things that they love, and having you, the listeners, tune in every single time we put up an episode. We really appreciate it all the time, not just sometimes, all the time. You can catch Edge of Your Seat Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and the website www.rss.com 
backslash podcast with an S backslash edge of your seat podcast. Socials, you know we're there. Facebook, edge of your seat podcast and Twitter, edge of your CP. My socials, you can reach out to Brandon LaChance. Last name looks like L.A. Chance. That's what it is on Facebook, Brandon LaChance. And then Twitter is at LaChance Writer. On all of those sites, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Facebook, Twitter, and anywhere else that you see Edge of Your Seat Podcast, please like, follow, comment, share, all of those things. All of those things and much, much more. Five star, million star. Please help us move up the ranking. Help us do what we're trying to do. And let's put a spotlight on Northern and Central Illinois and all the cool things happening here. If you have any questions, suggestions, want to be a guest, you know somebody that would be a good guest, you like or dislike something I or a guest said, or you'd like to sponsor with Edge of Your Seat Podcast, please send an email to Podcast at gmail.com. And of course, much love, shout out to Brian Cavelli, Cavelli Productions, for the intro and outro beat that you can hear on every single episode of Edge of Your Seat Podcast, which is brought to you by First State Bank. 19 locations in northern and central Illinois. Great people. They know what they're doing. I've been with First State Bank since 2011. So we're two, 12 years, not two. You got to put a one in front of there. 12 years with First State Bank. Everything they do is awesome. Great financial assistance. Help you with anything that you need. This is episode 299. One episode away from 300. I know that was Captain Obvious, but it is cool to be right there. 300 episodes. We started this podcast October 21st of 2019. So just about four years. We're about three weeks away from Edge of Your Seat podcast birthday. Maybe we'll do a celebration. Maybe. Maybe. Don't want to get too crazy, but maybe. We have two guests on this episode today. First, Brett Herman worked with him at the News Tribune. He was in the news department. I was in the sports department. I left, thought he was still there. And then all of a sudden, at the place that I'm at now, the Mendota Reporter and the Amboy News, I kept getting press releases from Kishwaukee College with the name Brett Herman. I was like, hey, it could be, you know, a popular name, same name of somebody else. Maybe it's not him. Well, I reached out anyway, and it was. It was him. He's doing great work for Kishwaukee. I see his work on a regular basis. Honestly, since it's sent direct to me, I might see the work that he does at Kishwaukee more than I did at the News Tribune. No offense, Brett, but you know, we're working, we're busy, can't read everybody's stuff. But he does great work for Kishwaukee. He also wrote a book. So we talk about that, talk about all kinds of cool things that Brett Herman is doing. It was awesome to catch up with him. Then, just a few days ago, spoke to Burrow Valley Volleyball representatives as they are having a pretty solid season. The Storm are 11-14 and 14 overall and 5-3 and three in the Three Rivers Conference East Division. It is the first year for head coach Sage Barnett. I covered her a lot as a Burrow Valley athlete before she graduated and now she's back coaching. Also have senior setter Kate Salisbury, who is the Storm's all-time leader in assist 
with more than a thousand. She got the a thousandth assist against Mendota, I believe September 19th. So just a few weeks ago, making history at Burrow Valley. She was already the record leader. And then she gets to a milestone like 1,000 assists. That's not easy to do. So congrats to Kate. And thank you to Sage and Kate for joining Edge of Your Seat Podcast and getting into some volleyball awesomeness. Also on this show, we will have win-lose stat from Monday, September 25th to Thursday, September 28th. That will include boys and girls golf regionals as they were the 27th and 28th. Today is October 4th. It is a Tuesday. Actually, it was Tuesday the 3rd. Now it is October 4th, Wednesday. It is 12.17 a.m. After work, I ref some games in Streeter at St. Michael's. So got home a little late, then was doing some other stuff for work, doing some interviews. Then it's like, hey, man, I got to get this pot out after I ate, did all that stuff. So here we go. Trying to get regular scheduled days for this podcast is probably harder than beating Mike Tyson in his prime, harder than unsinking the Titanic, harder than a lot of things when you are doing a lot of things. I write for three newspapers. I write for a magazine. I am a voice on three different radio stations, host this podcast. I have a family, friends, girlfriend, involved in a lot of stuff. I'm an IHSA referee for basketball and volleyball, and I do some little league stuff. Plus, I'm a member of the Mendota Chamber of Commerce. I'm a member of the Mendota Rotary Club. So we like to stay busy. However, also love doing these shows. Get them out as much as possible and as often as possible. But I know it is easy to normal basis is better for listeners. If I could do every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or every Tuesday, Thursday. So we're working on that. I've been working on that for quite a while after jobs kept switching and I kept moving my location, still trying to zero in on what works. We will get there, I promise, and we'll have some regular time events, aka regular episodes coming to you. We will also have a quick mix and match at the end. Lots of things going on nationally all the time. Let's talk about it. Before then, before we get to win lose that, let's hear from one of our fantastic sponsors, First State Bank. Have you heard the news? First State Bank is the first to offer Quillo. Quillo is an online personal loan officer that allows you to apply for a loan in just minutes. Need to replenish your checking account? Pay off a high interest credit card? or take that vacation you have always wanted, check out Quillo on the First State Bank website using your phone, tablet, or PC. It won't impact your credit score to apply. There are no fees, no penalties, and payments you can afford. You'll need a First State Bank checking account, but have no worries. You can apply for one of those online too. Check out FSB's Premier account that pays higher interest for doing just a few routine activities. Go to firststatebank.biz today to see how you can get a Quillo loan with a new or existing checking account. First State Bank is member FDIC and equal housing lender. Lots of awesomeness on the sports stage as we are winding up the fall sports. Like I said, boys and girls golf regionals were last week. Two days ago, we had sectionals and 
State Tournament is vastly approaching as it is October 6th in two days. That's Friday. So lots of things happening really fast in the golf world. And all the other sports are chomping at the bit to begin their postseasons as well. We'll start Monday, September 25th on the pitch. Boy soccer, Oregon 3, Depew Hall 0 for Oregon. Gavin Morrow, Keaton Salisbury, and Gabe Williams had one goal apiece. Hinkley Big Rock beat Earlville 2-0. Ottawa 4, Rochelle 2. Ottawa led 1-0 at halftime. For Ottawa, Grayson Skinner had a goal. Colin Lyons with the assist. Jorge Lopez had a goal. Evan Snook with the assist. Jorge Lopez with another goal. Michael Badella with the assist. Alexo Fernandez had a goal. Evan Snook with his second assist. In the goal, Connor Diedrich had eight saves for the Pirates. Plano 2, Johnsburg 2. Then with PKs, Plano wins 4-3. Plano is now 10-5 on the season. In this game against Johnsburg for Plano, Henry Trujillo had a score with Chris Kaliba, the assist. Kaliba then scored with Santiago Cervantes with the assist. Then we got to PKs. Trujillo, Devon Stamps, Kaliba, and Juan Quinones all had PKs go through to the back of the net. Girls Tennis, Dixon 3, Rockford, Auburn 2. For Dixon, number two singles, Addison Arges was victorious. Then the number two and number three doubles team won for Dixon. Number two was Brooklyn Arges and Rachel Lance. Number three doubles was Sierra Cameron and Lily Herrera. To the volleyball court, Earlville beat Midland 24-26, 25-20, 25-14. For the Lady Red Raiders, Maddie Olson, 15 points, 2 aces, and 11 digs. Nevaya Sanson had 10 kills. Bailey Miller also had 10 kills. And Brooke Geldy, 11 digs and 26 assists. Girls Golf at Sherrard. Sherrard won with a 216. Princeton was second with a 238. And Burrow Valley with a 275 was third. Sherrard's Marissa Koonsman had a 47 for medalist. Princeton's Eddie Carr was third with a 55. Princeton's Ava Morton was fourth with a 58. And Burrow Valley's best scorer was Michaela Nodder with a 66. Moving on to Tuesday, September 26th. Girls swimming and diving. Sterling beat Rock Island 130-42. All the winners of these events are from Sterling. 200 medley relay. Peyton Purdy, Madison Austin, Hazel Pham, and Michelle Hernandez-Bellows with a 2-minute 7.04 second swim. 200 freestyle, Madison Austin, 2 minutes 7.82 seconds. 200 intermediate, Pham, with a 2 minute 33.67 swim. 50 meter freestyle, Purdy, with a 27.85. Presley Winters won the one-meter dive with a 197.80. 100 Butterfly, Madison Austin, 1 minute, 6.64 seconds. 100 Freestyle, Emma Van Horn, with a 1 minute, 4.85 second swim. 500 Freestyle, Sammy Knox, 
5 minutes, 51.20 seconds. 200 freestyle relay. Kate Austin, Madison Austin, Macy Lofgren, and Emily Lofgren. 1 minute, 57.94. 100 backstroke. Fam in the winning column again. 1 minute, 13.44 seconds. The 100 breaststroke. Chloe Clark. 1 minute, 26.64 seconds. In the last event, with a winner from Sterling, the 400 freestyle relay, Fam, Van Horn, Clark, and Maggie Morris, 4 minutes, 22.23 seconds. Back to the tennis court, Dixon 5, Rockford Christian 0. For Dixon, the singles winners were Addison Arges at 1, Sierra Kemmerin at 2, Lily Herrera at 3. In doubles, doubles one was Leah Stees and Ariel Tefaku. Doubles two was Brooklyn Arges and Rachel Lance. Sycamore beat Rochelle four to one. Back to the volleyball court. LP beat St. Bede 25-9, 25-11. If you're not familiar with the show, LP means LaSalle, Peru. Obviously, LaSalle, Peru the school is in LaSalle, St. Bede is in Peru, so they are about three-minute away neighbors. Morris beat Plano 25-16, 25-3 for Plano. Kalai Young had five blocks. That's pretty impressive. Five blocks is not easy. Geneseo beat Quincy 25-22, 25-14. Geneseo is 10-11 and overall and 5-3 and in the Western Big Six. For Geneseo, Lizzie Raps, 5 kills, 8 digs, and Alyssa Perez, 2 aces, 14 assists. Sterling fell to Moline, 25-16, 25-18, to make Sterling 9-6-1 overall and 5-3 and in the Western Big Six. For Sterling, Carly Sullivan had 8 kills, 8 digs, and 1 block. Irville beat IMSA, the Illinois Math and Science Academy, 25-23, 26-16. Earlville is 15-5, 4-2 in the Little Ten Conference. For the Lady Red Raiders, Bailey Miller, 13 points, 4 aces, 14 digs. Hannah Path had 4 kills. Princeton moved to 11-10 overall and 4-3 in the Three Rivers Conference East Division when they beat conference foe Kiwani in two sets. For Princeton, Ellie Harp had 10 kills. Burrow Valley defeated Stark County in two sets. Genoa Kingston beat North Boone 25-7, 25-16. Genoa Kingston is now 23-1 with a 4-0 record in the Big Northern Conference. Geneseo was led by Atlanta Pierce's 11 kills and Olivia Keegan's 9 kills and 11 assists. Back to the pitch, boys soccer. Streeter 5, Reed Custer 0. To the outdoor tracks, we're running some cross country. The Three Rivers Conference meet at Baker Park in Kiwani. For the boys, Riverdale won with a 36. Burrow Valley took 6th and Princeton was 7th with a 170. Individuals, Erie Prophetstown, Charlie Link won with a 16.34. Princeton's best runner was Augustus Swanson who finished 15th with a 18.17. This earned Swanson all-conference honors. For Burrow Valley, Adrian Galarado was 25th. In the girls' race, Sherrard won with a 29. Princeton finished 5th with a 110. Orion's Olivia Thompson was the first finisher 
with a time of 2010. Princeton's Ruby Acker was sixth with a 21-23. She was named All-Conference. And Peyton Frua was 15th with a 21-55. She was also All-Conference. Also on the cross-country courses was the Matt Walter Invite in Genoa. Byron boys finished third. The girls finished fourth for Byron. Byron's Tim Starwalt was the winner of the boys' race. In the Tri-County Conference race, Seneca finished third. Individually, Seneca's Logan Pasacarnas was the winner. Girls Golf, Ellie McDonald shot an 83 to finish second in the Interstate 8 Conference meet in Sycamore. The Spartans of Sycamore won the team battle for the Interstate 8 Conference title for the first time in program history. For the Spartans of Sycamore, Brianna Shulman, Simone Bertrand, and Meadow Davis were all all conference golfers. Boys Golf, Sycamore's Luther Swedberg and Gavin Sedevi were named to the all conference Interstate 8 team. We got a couple more days, Wednesday and Thursday, but before then, let's chat with Surf. Surf Internet. Surf Internet's fast fiber internet is more reliable and 25 times faster than cable, unlike other local providers. We're proud to provide transparent, all-in pricing that includes equipment fees and taxes. With speed packages starting at $35 a month, you'll get a free modem, free expert installation, and free whole home Wi-Fi on most plans. Plus, no contracts and no data caps at a price that's locked in for life. Go to surfinternet.com to learn more or call 844-955-SURF for details. That's 844-955-SURF. Limited time offer, restrictions apply. Back to win stat Wednesday, September 27th, the Boys Golf Regionals. Give you a little heads up. In 1A, four teams qualified for sectional and 23 individuals in our 49 high schools that we pay attention to. When I first started this, I just kind of stuck with the schools that I was known of and covered so many years with the News Tribune. And then as we have advanced here and networking and knowing more people and things of that nature, we expanded to an hour radius of Mendota. So covering 49 high schools that we talk about on Edge of Your Seat podcast on a regular basis. So 1A, we had four teams and 23 individuals advance to sectionals. In 2A, five teams, 23 individuals. And in 3A, we had three individuals. We'll start with 1A, the Cambridge Regional, where Weathersfield finished 11th with a 404. Unfortunately, did not field any sectional qualifiers. At the 1A Riverdale, that's Port Byron, that regional, Riverdale won it with a 298. Fulton was second with a 311. Barrow Valley advanced to sectional as a team with a 328 for third. Newman was right behind for fourth with a 336. Oregon had a 350 for fifth. Earlville was eighth with a 358. Indian Creek with a 427 was 10th. And Amboy with 429 was 11th. For Borough Valley, the advancing team, Wyatt Novotny had a 76, Landon Birdsley an 82, Logan Philhauer 84, Landon Smith 86, 
Atticus Middleton, an 89, and Colin Stabler, a 90. The individuals advancing not on a team. Logan Palmer from Newman had a 71. Chase Decker from Newman had an 85. Jackson Messenger from Oregon had an 86. Noel Campos from Oregon had an 87. Kyler Early from Oregon had an 88. Brogan Wilkinson from Oregon had an 89. And Liam Nicholas from Newman had an 89. The Class 1A Seneca Regional. Aurora Christian won with a 332. Serena Newark was fourth with a 372. Seneca took fifth with a 373. Hinkley Big Rock with a 404 was eighth. And Samanok with a 410 came in ninth. Individuals advancing, not on a team. Carson Baker from Serena Newark with an 81. Grant Siegel from Seneca with an 84. Keegan Murphy from Seneca with an 85. Aiden Wood from Samanok with an 87. Serena Newark's Peyton Twaite with an 89. And Justin Winslaff from Hinkley Big Rock with a 94. The Class 1A Streeter Woodland Regional. El Paso Gridley won it with a 337 to take the whole team to sectional. Peoria Christian was second with a 350, and another one of our teams advanced to sectional as a team, Roanoke Benson taking third with a 352. Fieldcrest was three strokes behind with a 355 for fourth. St. Bede had a 358 for fifth. Hall was sixth with a 359. Marquette seventh with a 360. Henry Sinanchuan had a 362 for eighth. Midland, a 373 for ninth. Putnam County came in 10th with a 391. And Woodland with a 460 was 11. Pretty close in the middle pack there as they were all trying to advance the sectional. For El Paso Gridley, Braden Hayes, a 75. Mitchell Wilson, an 82. Blake Ramsey, an 83. Carson Doman, a 97. Alex Hepp, a 101. Wyatt Casper, a 103. For Roanoke Benson, Caden Harms, an 81. Jack Lehman, an 85. 93s for Daxton and Nolan Hunter. Tucker Bond had a 96. And Leighton Harms had a 99. Advancing as individuals, Halls, Landon Plim with a 76. Marquette's Carson Zellers with a 77. Fieldcrest, Nathan Buchanan with an 81. Carson Rowe of Henry Sinanchuan with a 44. Luke Tunnel from St. Bede with an 86. Midland and Henry Sinatuan had golfers advance with 88s as Midland's Owen LaRoe and Jacob Miller from Henry Sinatuan advance. Carter Senko from Fieldcrest, Abraham Weisbrock from St. Bede, and Connor Reichman from Fieldcrest all had 89s. Moving on to 2A, the 2A Pontiac Regional, Prairie Central won with a 319. Normal University was second with a 322. Morris was third with a 331, and Streeter with a 338 was fourth. So Morris advances as a team, and Streeter just seven strokes behind, but I'm guessing we got a couple individuals getting through for Streeter. Helping Morris advance was Joey Lanahan with a 78, Aiden Delahera with a 82, Liam Eber with a 84, Connor Barth with a 87, Colin Voss with a 91, and Lucas Munzel with a 93. Advancing individuals, Cole Park from Streeter, I told you, with a 76. Jaden Nambo from Streeter with an 83. Logan Auckland from Streeter with an 88. 
and Nolan Ketchum from Streeter with a 91. So not just one, how about four Bulldogs going to sectionals? 2A Rock Falls Regional, Byron won it all with a 308. Geneseo was second with a 326, and Dixon was third with a 330. All three teams advancing the entire team to sectional. Coming in fourth was Sterling with the 354. Stillman Valley was sixth with the 366. Rochelle seventh with 367. Princeton with the 376 was eighth, and Kiwani took ninth with a 559. For Byron, the Helpers, the golfers, the experts getting Byron the regional championship and advancing to sectionals. Aaron Lorenz had a medalist 70. Davis Baker a 76. Mason Brandt 79. Cooper Meshin 83. Kaysen Newton 86. Ryan Tucker in 87. For Geneseo, the second place team. Bryson Van Hoot a 73. Hayden Moore 74. Alex Saar, 87. Kevin Vankerbroek, 92. Connor Dilly, 97. Eli Ford, a 107. Ford Dixon, the third place team. Alex Harrison, a 76. Mason Wegel, 84. Ben Oros, 85. Stephen Kitzman, 85. Brody Nicholas, a 92. Jace Kastner, a 94. Advancing as individuals for Rochelle. Ian Metzger had a 75, Alex Dwyer a 90. For Sterling, Mason Hubbard had an 83, Bryce Hartman an 87, and Grant Hartman an 89. For Stillman Valley, Andrew Gibbs an 86, Noah Claren a 90. Princeton, Tyson Phillips advanced with an 89. 2A Sycamore Regional, Ottawa won with a 287. Burlington Central was second with a 301. Caneland tied for third for a 314. Sycamore also had the 314. Mendota was fifth with a 333. LaSalle Pru was sixth with a 334. Sandwich with a 348 was seventh. Genoa Kingston's 369 was eighth. And Plano took ninth with a 405. Ottawa and Caneland advanced as teams. Caneland beat out Sycamore with the tiebreaker to take that last advancing spot. For the Pirates of Ottawa, Chandler Creedon a 71, Drake Kaufman a 71, Briar Harris a 72, Seth Cooper 73, Jacob Armstrong 79, Colt Bryson 79. For Kalen, Wesley Hollis a 74, Jack Fry a 79, Zach Ramos an 80, Brian DeVos an 81, Ryan Babich an 84, Bradley Frank an 88. Advancing as individuals, Sycamore's Luther Swedberg, a 77, Matthew Luce, a 78, Gavin Sedevi, a 78, Andrew Swedberg, an 81. For Mendota, Brody Hart had a 79, and Dane Doyle, an 81. For Sandwich, Noah Campbell, an 80. And for LaSalle, Peru, Will McLaughlin, an 82, Riley Ketzwiski, an 83, and Michael Malata, an 84. Moving on to 3A, the 3A Barlett Regional. Geneva won it with a 314. DeKalb took sixth with a 346. Advancing for DeKalb as individuals. Jonah Keck, a 76. And Brody Farrell, an 84. The 3A Oswego East Regional. Moline won with a 311. Yorkville tied for fifth with a 345. 
Advancing for Yorkville is Justin Goebel, who shot an 82. That is it for the regionals for boys golf. We still had some other sports, though, on Wednesday, the 27th. Boys soccer, Oregon 2, Byron 1, got down to PKs for Oregon to win. For Oregon, Keaton Salisbury had a goal, Gavin Morrow with the assist. Oregon is now 8-10-1 overall, 3-4 in the Big Northern Conference. Plano fell to Harvard, 3-2-0. Plano is now 10-6, in the Interstate 8. Stillman Valley beat Genoa Kingston, 2-2-0. With this win for Stillman Valley, they win the Big Northern Conference title, as both were undefeated entering the contest. To the volleyball court, Sterling beat Quincy 28-26, 25-14. For Sterling, they're 10-6-1, 6-3 in the Western Big Six. For Sterling, Delilah Amanqua, 6Ks, 1 block, 2 aces, 9 assists, and Carly Sullivan, 4Ks, 3 aces, 4 digs. Plano fell to Woodstock, 25-18, 25-13, for Plano, Rita Loro had five blocks. Indian Creek beat IMSA 25-12, 25-21. For the Indians, Allie Peterson, six Ks, one block assist. Izzy Turner, three assists, four Ks, nine digs, one block assist. Pretty impressive Wednesday we had for September 27th. Now let's get to Thursday, September 28th. And let's start with the girls' golf regionals. In Class 1A, we had five teams and 13 individuals advance. In 2A, five individuals advance to sectionals. In girls' golf, there is only 1A and 2A, where the boys have a 3A also. At the Class 1A Byron Regional, Byron won with a 395. Dixon was second with a 406. Oregon took fourth with the 431. Newman was sixth with the 448. Stillman Valley was eighth with a 486. Fort Byron, Abigail Baker, 88. Elena Brandt, 100. Sophia Cross, 102. Taylor Lenz had a 105. Gina Baker, a 107. And Jaden Pulsekill, a 120. Fort Dixon, Katie Drew shot a medalist, 77. Reese Dahlman, a 94. Zoe Williams, a 115. Kiana Alati, a 120. Sadia Bajrami, a 123. And Taya Collins, a 124. Individuals making it without a team. Amelia Dunzeth from Stillman Valley, an 86. Sarah Eckerd from Oregon with a 95. Anaya Sarver from Oregon with a 99. And Ellie Rude from Newman with a 105. The 1A Weathersfield Regional. Rock Ridge won with a 374, and Weathersfield took eighth with a 465. Weathersfield had two individuals advance as Hope Peed shot a 93 and Eleanor Burkhart a 94. Class 1A Marengo Regional. Marengo won with a 102. Genoa Kingston advanced to sectionals as a team as it took third with a 428, and Hinkley Big Rock was fifth with a 479. For Genoa Kingston, Alaya Lauer, a 92. Emma Rhodes, a 105. Ava Smith, a 112. Madeline Swanson, a 119. Michaela Bass, a 120. Lucy Foss, a 149. Four, Hinkley Big Rock. Three 
golfers going as individuals. Evelyn Lauer had a 107. Liliana Martinez, a 121. And McKenna Bark, a 124. The Class 1A Providence Catholic Regional. Nazareth Academy won with a 362. Plano was ninth with a 598 and had no advancers. The 1A St. Bede Regional. Seneca won it with a 412. El Paso Gridley was second with 415. Roanoke Benson was third with 434. All three of those teams advancing his teams to the sectional. Tied for fourth was Fieldcrest with a 437. Princeton was seventh with a 465. St. B ninth with a 482. And Barrel Valley was 10th with a 534. Helping Seneca advance, Piper Stenzel shot a medalist 86. Shelby Welsh 104. Julia Hogan, a 107. Cameron Stetchen, a 115. Addison Stiegel, a 118. And Jelena Obum, a 128. For El Paso Gridley, Sophia Hall, a 93. Carolyn Quam, a 103. Elise Brucker, 107. Hannah Kurz, 112. Maylee Palmer, 121. Lex Neely, a 121. That's Lexi Neely with a 121. Roanoke Benson, Eddie Heineke with an 88, Lauren Crumrin, a 102, Maddie Kierfoot, a 108, and Reese Norman, a 136. Advancing as individuals, Fieldcrest, Jessica Schultz, a 95, Midlands, Maddie Toman, a 99, Fieldcrest, Ava Marty, a 107, and Princeton's Eddie Carr with a 108. Going to 2A, the Bradley Bourbon A Regional, Lincoln Way Central 1 with a 327, Ottawa was 10th with a 472. Individuals qualifying. LaSalle Peru, who did not have a team score. Ellie Tom advanced with an 89. 2A Galesburg Regional. Pekin won with a 360. Geneseo was 4th with a 372. Advancing for Geneseo as individuals not on the team. Olivia Seal, a 85. Taylor Van Hoot, a 95. Keely Roberts, a 96. And Leah Romer, a 96. The 2A Harlem Regional, that's in McChesney Park. Crystal Lake Central won with a 350. Sterling was 10th with a 457 and didn't have anybody qualify for sectionals. 2A Plainfield North Regional, Oswego East won with a 323. And Yorkville with a 426 was 9th and did not have any sectional advancers. 2A Sectional Regional, Matea Valley was first. They won it with a 344. Sycamore finished fifth with a 385. Caneland sixth with a 391. Advancing as individuals for Sycamore, Brianna Shawman shot a medalist, 71. Caneland's Braylon DeVos, an 86. And Caneland's Livy Wagner, a 92. That is it. That's a wrap on girls golf regionals congratulations to the girls the boys that advanced to sectionals that were just two days ago about a day and a couple hours actually as it's still not even one o'clock in the morning on october 4th hoping to have this show out early we early in the morning best time to get shows out because then get them out go to work do your thing talking about doing your thing we still had other sports Competing on Thursday, September 27th, including boys soccer, Oregon and Indian Creek tied 2-2-2. Oregon's Gavin Morrow had a goal, Danny Chrismore had a goal, and Derek Witters had an assist 
for Oregon. Volleyball court, Newman defeated Burrow Valley 25-15, 25-16. Newman is now 15-2 on the year, 7-0 in the Three Rivers Conference East Division. For Newman, Jess Johns, 9 kills, 2 assists, 6 digs. Kennedy Rousey, 7 kills. Polo beat Ashland Franklin Center, 25-17, 25-11. Geneseo beat Alleman, 25-16, 25-11. For Geneseo, they're 11-11 on the year, 6-3 in the Western Big Six. For Geneseo, Lizzie Raps, 3 kills, 2 aces, 8 digs. Earlville beat Hinkley Big Rock, 25-19, 24-26, 25-23. For Earlville, Nevaeh Sanson, 13 kills. Bailey Miller, 12 kills. Brooklyn Geldy, 25 assists. Moving to girls tennis, Dixon 4, Sterling 1. For Dixon, Grace Ferguson was the number one singles winner. Number one doubles, Leah Stees and Ariel Tefaku. Number two doubles, Brooklyn Arges and Rachel Lance. And at number three doubles, Sierra Cameron and Lily Herrera. Going to junior college volleyball as IVCC beat Kishwaukee. In junior college men's soccer, Kishwaukee beat Kankakee 3-0. The goals for Kish were scored by Corey Miles, Alec Garcia, and Eamon Farah with Yahir Diaz. He's a Mendota graduate. He had to assist. The Kishwaukee girls soccer team, the women actually, it's men's soccer and women's soccer at the junior college level. Kishwaukee fell to Kankakee in the women's contest 5-0. The Kishwaukee women are now 1-6 and and the Kishwaukee men are 4-3-2. Well, that's a wrap on win-lose stat as a whole as we went from Monday, September 25th to Thursday, September 28th. Our next episode, we'll pick right back up where we left off September 29th and get through to where we start and off at. You know, that's how you do. You start where you left off at and then you leave off where you're at. Guess that's how it works, right? Yeah, yeah, that's how it works. Win, lose, stat, and mix and match are brought to you by Mendota Ford. Mendota Ford is a community dealership that is dedicated to being community first. A small dealership in a smaller town. Associates Jason Hintz and Caitlin Henry pride themselves in being here for you. They don't want to sell you one vehicle. They want to form a bond, a relationship, to get you every vehicle you want and cars, trucks, and SUVs for your friends and family. Jason Hintz has been with the Mendota Ford for eight years, giving him the experience needed to help customers in every way possible. Caitlin Henry joined the team in July and is excited to help you find your dream vehicle. You can purchase any vehicle off any lot in the Mendota Ford family. Jason and Caitlin will make sure they track it down and hand you the keys with the little jingle jangle. To check out the many options on the lot, Mendota Ford is located just south of Mendota on Highway 251. To look ahead or find a vehicle on another lot, check out www.mendotaford.com. Call 815-539-9314 for all vehicle inquiries with Mendota Ford. And when you do, don't forget to mention where you heard about Mendota Ford as the dealership has a refer a friend or family member program. If you buy a vehicle, the person or podcast who referred you gets $100. Let's talk some mix and match. I always say that I'm going to time like at 30 seconds or a minute and I talk over. So I'm not going to time, but I'm going to try to go fast. 
not so fast that I don't get my points across, then there's no point to do this at all. But let's talk, let's chat, mix and match. Drew Holiday traded from the Portland Trailblazers after he was traded from the Milwaukee Bucks to the Trailblazers and part of the Dame Lillard to the Bucks trade. Now, the Blazers trade Drew Holiday to the Celtics. Whew. The Celtics send Robert Williams III, Malcolm Brogdon, a 2024 first-round pick from Golden State Warriors, and a 2029 first-round pick for Drew Holiday. This is a groundbreaking deal for the Celtics. They've needed a ball handler in backcourt defense for so long. That's why they didn't win the finals two years ago. That's why they got beat by the Miami Heat in the Eastern Conference Finals this past season is because they didn't have a guard. Yes, Jalen Brown can dribble the ball. Not carry it. We don't want to call whistles, but he can dribble the ball. Jason Tatum can dribble the ball. But they're better when shots are being created for them. That's what Drew Holiday does. He can also score anywhere. He's not the greatest three-point shooter in the world, but he can knock some down. And his defense is bar none. He's top three guard defender in the league. Huge putting him with those two. And Porzingis, if he can stay healthy, that is a fantastic four that can win the Boston Celtics a lot of games and make a long playoff push. For the Trailblazers, I mean, they got good pieces here. Robert Williams next to DeAndre Ayton will be awesome. Malcolm Brogdon's a good point guard, and you got two first-round picks. One is quite considerable, away 2029, but you can use that, trade it, and get a player. I think it's a great trade, kind of for both teams, because the Blazers are building, but they're building with young pieces, and now they got a staple in Ayton and can build around him, because for some odd reason, Portland always loves the tall centers. Greg Oden, Chris Kamen, Arvita Sabonis. Kevin Duckworth, just over the years, they've always had a big center. Always. I don't remember that team without one for the most part, except maybe recently. But other than that, they've always had a big guy. Always, always. Moving on to the Ryder Cup was Friday, September 29th to Sunday, October 1st. The UK won. They played better golf. Hey, it happens. But the story surrounding Ryder Cup, nobody was even really talking about golf as Rory McIlroy got in a spat with a U.S. caddy. And then Xander, I always say this dude's name wrong, Shafiel, Shafiel, nearly gets booted from the U.S. team for contract dispute. Wanting money for this, wanting money from that. And they're like, hey, man, let's not play this game. It doesn't work like that. So the U.S. team wanted to boot him. But they kept the spot open and he was still there. But crazy that nobody's even talking about the golf, really. It's these other outside disputes, outside spats that people are talking about. This is crazy. Deion Sanders brought the baby, the rapper, to speak to Colorado about different issues, different things. And the baby, I mean, he's a rapper. He's a aggressive language rapper and It is said, I read three different stories online about how it was not very influential for the players and kind of was a bad idea for Dion to invite DaBaby. I know he's trying to be friends with his teammates or his players, not necessarily friends, 
but to get him them to want to come to Colorado, stay in Colorado, play in Colorado, and build a program. But bringing in rappers like the baby that maybe what they're saying isn't as influential as you want it to be, that could be a problem. I mean, I would personally love it. I listen to the baby here and there. It's not my favorite. It's not the worst. So listen to him every once in a while. So it'd be cool to meet him. But if you have a guest speaker, you want the guest speaker to be motivational. Not a problem. And it doesn't sound like the baby was motivational. Canelo Alvarez blasted Jamil Charlo for the undisputed championship in the boxing match. Anello is now 60 wins, two losses, two ties. He's got wins over Jose Cotto, Sugar Shane Mosley, Miguel Cotto, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. And one of his two losses was to Floyd Mayweather. I actually watched that fight. He is really, really good. He deserves another belt, I guess. He's got about 17 of them. Keeps him around the house. They're in his trophy case. He might sell you one. Who knows? But he's probably going to fight you first, and then you're not going to be able to enjoy it. But Canelo Alvarez, good fight. Deserved it. That's for sure. The Bears, we already talked about their struggles and how they're awful. Probably going to be the worst team in the league. Get that number one draft pick again. But Chase Claypool, wide receiver, was held out of the game against the Broncos because of comments that he made towards coaches and how he doesn't feel like he's being used right. Man, keep the trash talk about your team, about your coaches, about your teammates, about anybody in-house. Hash it out there. You come to the media, even though I'm in the media, you get tore up. Chase Claypool, Justin Fields getting absolutely destroyed because they're trying to destroy their team. Yes, we know there's problems. It could be the coaches, could be the players, could be management, could be everybody. Maybe is everybody. But doing what you're doing and how you're going about it, not the best way. So in my mind, he deserved to be suspended. Maybe that sends a shot to the locker room. Hey, keep your mouth closed. Disney did something interesting this week in football. Sunday, the Jaguars of Jacksonville and the Falcons of Atlanta played in London and Disney Plus had a game at Andy's bedroom from Toy Story with football players. Duke Kaboom was the halftime show. They had all the characters involved. Woody was dancing. Buzz Lightyear was dancing. It seemed pretty cool. I did not watch the whole thing, but there was clips on SportsCenter pretty much all day. So it was kind of cool to see Disney getting involved in the football world. Outcast, one of my favorite groups of all time. Their album that came out in the early 2000s. I believe it came out my senior year of high school. That would have been 2003. I graduated in 04, but I was a senior in 2003. I remember getting the album from a friend for Christmas. So I know it came out in 2003. Speaker Box, Love Below became the number one selling rap album of all time as it went 13 times platinum, which is also a first. Incredible for them. It's an incredible album. Two discs. One was done by Big Boy. One was done by Andre 3000. And it is a classic of all classics. I'm glad it got to that realm of things being the number one rap selling album of all time. That's fantastic. Want to say a R.I.P. Tim Wakefield. He was 57 when he passed on Sunday, October 1st. Um, it's not been listed, saying it's a disease of some sort. 
19 seasons in Major League Baseball. He was a pitcher known for his knuckleball. And he said it over and over and over again in different interviews that he did it to make himself relevant and to stay in the game. 19 seasons, he did it right. He played for the Pittsburgh Pirates from 1992 to 93, so one year, and then the Red Sox from 1995 to 2011, where he won two World Series in Boston. Rest in peace, Tim Wakefield. It was a lot of fun watching you play baseball. Speaking of baseball, the wild cards for the American League and National League started today. If you do not know how MLB postseason works, Obviously, the winners of the three divisions in the league, so American League's three divisions, you got three winners. The two winners of the divisions with the best records get a bye, so they'll be waiting the next round. Then the third winner of the divisions, so they had the third best record of the winners of the divisions, goes into the wild card. They'll play one of the three wildcard teams, so the teams that had the best records outside of the division leaders. So that in the AL would be the Tampa Bay Rays, the Texas Rangers, and the Blue Jays. They were fourth, fifth, and sixth best records in the American League. Number one was the Baltimore Orioles. They got a bye. Number two was the Houston Astros. They got a bye. And Minnesota Twins won the AL Central. But since they had 87 wins, the Astros had 90, and the Orioles had 101. They're the third, the man out. They ended up playing the Blue Jays. Wild cards are now a best of three series. Today was the first game. So, Minnesota Twins beat number six Blue Jays 3-1. to one. The Texas Rangers, number five, beat the Tampa Bay Rays 4-0. to zero. In the National League, the top team, Getting a bye was the Atlanta Braves. The second team getting a bye was the Los Angeles Dodgers with 100 wins. The Braves won the NL East. Dodgers won the NL West. That leaves the NL Central. So we have the Milwaukee Brewers, 92-70. and 70. They are the three seed. Then we have the wild cards. Philadelphia Phillies were 90-72. and 72. They're number four. Miami Marlins, 84-77. and 77. They're number five. And then number six, the Arizona Diamondbacks, 84 and 78. The Cubs finished 83 and 79. If they could have just won a couple more games, they could have beat out the Diamondbacks and the Marlins as both of them had 84 wins. They just choked and let everybody else slide by them. Anyway, I digress. For today's wild cards, Philadelphia Phillies beat the Miami Marlins 4 to 1. And the Arizona Diamondbacks beat the Milwaukee Brewers 6-3. I'm going to be watching. I love playoff baseball. It's a great time, great energy, and there's a lot of great teams in here. I want to see if the Braves can do it. 104-58. I want to see the Braves and the Dodgers in the National League Championship Series. That would be fantastic. I do hope Milwaukee Brewers get past here, but I don't think they got the team to get much further. In the American League, I just want to see some good baseball. I don't really care who wins. Baltimore Orioles are a great story because three years ago they had 100 or more losses. And then that turnaround to be the best team in the American League just three years later is almost unheard of. 
Well, this seems like a great spot to end the intro and get to our guest, Brett Herman with Kishwaukee College. He is their PR, public relations, their media guy. He does all the press releases, types them up, sends them out, does a great job all day, every day. Plus, he wrote a book. He's an author. Got a lot of things going on. Brett is a good dude, and I was so happy to speak with him. Then we have Burrow Valley Volleyball Coach Sage Barnett. It's her first year. They are 11-14 and 14, as we're just about a week and a half, two weeks away from postseason. And Katie Salisbury, the all-time assist leader in volleyball for the Burrow Valley Storm, as she is now over 1,000. She hit that milestone on September 19th. Got to speak with both of them. And Brett, put it on a podcast for your delight. Hopefully you enjoy. Please listen. Please keep coming back. We appreciate it. Every single listen, every single download. Until next time, peace. I'm going to make a promise to myself and listeners for this podcast. I am not going to talk about sports. It seems like Edge of Your Seat Podcast, the goal when we started was to, of course, have sports, but not make it 100% dominant. Well, lately it has, but, you know, we can always change it up. It's Edge of Your Seat Podcast Always have you on the edge of your seat. So today we bring in somebody that the only connection that him and I have towards the sports world is when we worked at the News Tribune, I was a sports writer, he was a news writer, and our desks were literally five feet apart. Brett Herman, how are you, man? I'm doing great. Um, Reminiscing about some of our News Tribune days. But yeah, as soon as, you know, I got some info to contact you, and we'll get into all that in a minute. I did the same thing, just nostalgic of News Tribune stuff. I worked there from 2011 to 2019. I did take a two-month hiatus. And you came in, what, 2015 or 16? Correct, yeah. It would have been spring 2015. It was literally like the Tuesday after I graduated from U of I on a Saturday. So right into it and i was very green for those first couple years but um eventually yeah you know you just kind of learn the job being in it every day no doubt and how long were you with the news tribune um i would have left in what would that have been that would have late november of 2019 Kind of a few months after the the shaw media buyout there so you left a month after i did yeah, I mean, I think you could probably uh, see a lot of people jumping ship about that time. No, it sounded like it was a bit of a purge in those few months heading into 2020. Yeah, we had a couple people that retired when they didn't want to retire or, or still wanted to work. We had people that left before the buyout was even complete. As soon as yeah. talks began, just like, nope, I'm not doing it, I'm out. I worked for Shaw Media for a month. I had already, so I had pre-consumptions or pre-ideas that I wasn't going to like it. I was there for a month. I didn't, uh, and I saw the writing on the wall, so that's when I left. And then, you know, more people followed. People were fired. They kind of gutted the News Tribune, and, I mean, it is what it is. It's the corporate world, but it it was a... uh, it was sad because, you know, you worked there for so long and the people and, you know, what you mean to the community, not you as a person, but, you know, the journalism world. And then it's just kind of all flips over with one little sale and then it's all changed. Oh, yeah. And um, just like me personally, um, I, I 
kind of been toe in the water, like testing the job market for several months, even before the buyout happened. But once it started getting moving, I was like, man, I don't know if I want to do this uh, a whole lot longer. I'm looking for something with better hours, maybe a little easier because news reporting was, was a lot of work. It was hard work. And, um, that just seemed like a good time to, to move on because I mean, it's a lot of change and, uh, yeah, I got no regrets about that so far. Good stuff. Good stuff. But the days at the news tribune were fun, met a lot of cool people. We obviously connected and now you're on a diversity podcast. Yeah. Yeah. It was honestly a very informative, what, four and a half years for me. Just you, you learn a lot talking to different people about different things every single day. So good stuff. Probably could do a full podcast on stories with Craig Starrett and Tom Collins involved. <laughs> I think so. There's some good ones. I mean, and those guys go back, boy, decades. They could, I'm sure they've got way better stories than my short time there, but yeah. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. Well, the reason I have you on is because obviously you've advanced your career, you're doing different things. So I am a journalist at the Mendota Reporter along with a, a few other endeavors. And I was checking my email one day, and something pops up. It's from Kishwaukee College, and I see the name Brett Herman. And I'm like, is this the same Brett Herman? No offense, but Herman, whether there's one N or two Ns, is a kind of popular name in the Illinois Valley. And Kishwaukee College only being, you know, 45 minutes away from Mendota, you know, probably like an hour, hour 15 from Spring Valley, which that's where you're from, right, Spring Valley? Correct, yes. So I was like, yeah, maybe it's another Herman, and it just happens to be, you know, the name Brett. So I didn't really know if it was you or not. And then uh, a friend, a mutual friend of ours, a friend of Edge of Your Seat Podcast, he's been on a couple times, Pat Beals, is like, hey, have you heard from Brett Herman? He's doing some good things. So I reach out, do some research. It is you at Kishwaukee, and you've written a book. So we're going to start with Kishwaukee. We'll move into the book, and anything else that your career has done, I mean, Kishwaukee College, how did you get linked up there? And now you're a staff, you know, employee for a pretty predominant college in this area. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's kind of funny you mentioned that it might have been a coincidence that it, or just a different Herman up here because um, turns out there's a ton of Hermans, same spelling as mine, two R's, two N's in the Sycamore DeKalb area, which I had no idea about. I get asked all the time if I'm related to them, and I'm not just uh, just related to the Spring Valley Hermans, but there's a ton of those as well. As far as uh, my path to Kish goes, so talking about the News Tribune earlier, my first job after that, I moved down to Southern Illinois at Rend Lake College. Um, I was just kind of looking to get into higher ed because I I mean, as far as writing about things goes, I, I kind of wanted to write about something I could get behind, something I believe in that helps people, higher education being one of those things. That was, uh, that was my first step. Southern Illinois was not exactly my scene. <laughs> I was about four hours away from home and uh, just kind of saw that as a stepping stone, was hoping to find something more up here. It would have been November of 2020. I saw this job opened up and I applied for it, interviewed, all that fun stuff and um, ended up getting that. And uh, it's been really good. I like Kish a lot. It's got 
pretty similar vibes to IVCC. All in all, just solid leadership. They seem to be in a good spot, really student-focused, which is cool. As far as what I do there, I do a lot of website work, uh, like handling the content that goes on their website. But uh, the bulk of it is just writing stuff, writing press releases, writing uh, ad scripts, just kind of whatever they need. And uh, that's what I've been doing. Well, if you wrote the press releases that I've seen from your email, which I'm guessing you have, they're pretty well written. Yeah, I mean, um, it's, it's not so much like a news story that, that you really get to inject a lot of personality into. It's more just the facts, but um, yeah, and, you know, try my best. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, just the facts where the, the five W's, right? Who, why, where, when, what, all that other good stuff. Oh, yeah, that's pretty much what we're sticking to, which is fine because, I mean, that gives, you know, like, if we're going back to news writing, that kind of burned me out a lot creatively. I didn't do much personal writing. This job, I, you know, I do writing most of the day, but, like, it's, I don't want to say mindless, but I don't have to, like, uh, have to think of stories constantly. So... Now I do feel like I just got more creative input in my personal stuff. So that's uh, that's one thing I like about the transition into this new line of work. I admire that because as a writer myself, uh, both journalistically and, you know, I've started books and, and do side projects as well. I do notice that when I am in the position, like now I'm a news, sports, everything writer. You're right. When you go to do some of your other stuff, your ideas or you know, your uh, determination or desire to do them isn't as high because, I mean, you do that from, you know, 8 to 5 or whatever your hours are, and then you get home and you're like, ah, I don't know if I want to keep continue to do this. Yeah, again, like, at the News Tribune, it felt like my brain was always on news reporter mode. I'm just always trying to see things from that angle. It's like, oh, is that a story idea? Is that a story idea? You never really have time to just kind of, like, I don't know, piece together uh, fiction. Fiction's what I like to write, like that sort of thing in your head, because um, most of your creative input's going into your job. Even though you're telling real-world stories, it, it takes, like, uh, different views of, you know, what you're seeing to different angles to approach a story. Well, this seems like a good transition point since, you know, we're talking about how you had more creative time and things of that nature. And with your more creative time, you put it to good use as you publish a book. Yeah, and um, that really uh, started as a pandemic project, early pandemic. So we're talking, what, like March of 2020, the whole world shuts down, right? I was at Rend Lake at the time, so I'm in southern Illinois. We get this shelter-in-place order. I'm just cooped up in this apartment by myself, and it's like, man, what am I going to do to not go insane down here? Because <laughs> we're working from home, but my work kind of, like, I'm still was getting paid and all that, but my workflow kind of just stopped because a lot of what I did down there was, like, write press releases for events we had coming up and all that stuff. So really slow at work. I was like, you know, I guess I got time to do what I want to do. I, I've always, I've, I had always wanted to try my hand at a novel, but like I said, at the News Tribune, it was really hard to, like, make time for that creatively. So now I got all the time in the world as the world shut down. I went back 
to a story I wrote in college. So I'm taking a creative writing class at U of I, you know, short story I wrote for that class, something really silly in a class where a lot of people were writing like really heavy, really emotional type stuff. I was like, I don't, I don't think that's really my speed. I want to write something fun. First chapter of the novel was really based on that story. Kind of just picked it up from there. The character, he's uh, he's kind of a, well, he is a janitor, but he sees himself as kind of like the sheriff of this high school, which is very much based on Hall High School. Yeah, just went from there and really got into a groove. I, I carved myself out like an hour each weekday where I was going to just write whether it was good or bad, it didn't really matter. I was just going to keep going, keep plugging away until um, I finished this thing. And so I started that in earnest in March, and I think I finished my first draft of the, of the novel when it was like maybe late June of that year. So it, it went pretty quick because, again, I had a ton of time to do it. At that point, I started sending out query letters to literary agents. It seems like I kind of lacked patience on that because I, I tried that for a few months and was like, I don't know if this is the route I want to go. Um, maybe some independent publishers would uh, be more interested and I don't have to go through an agent. It was maybe fall of that year. I, I had written a short story to and got it published in Adelaide Magazine for, and they had just started their own book publishing sect of their of their company and I gave them a try and and they said they were interested and uh, that they would take me on and publish my book awesome how many copies did you have printed now that's a good question because I mentioned Adelaide but they've been terrible um, <laughs> they basically printed my book and it seems like they've gone into a big downward spiral I think they're still in business, but I have had a really hard time getting a hold of anyone there about my sales reports. I, I only got the first one, and that covered, well, my book was released in December of 2021, and they gave me, like, the final quarterly report, which only covered, you know, the last 16 days of the month. And I sold a little over 150 books at that time, but... I haven't gotten anything since, so it's disappointing. <laughs> I think it's kind of a lesson learned to maybe uh, do a little more research into, you know, who you're working with, but it is what it is, I guess. You know, hopefully if I got a next one coming up, then uh, it goes a little better. So you could have sold in the last year and a month either one copy or a gazillion copies, and you have no idea. That is correct, yes. I guess the the trending reports on like Amazon give me some idea on how well it's doing. I think um, in the rankings I'm like uh, one million something. So I don't think I've sold quite that many copies. But locally I know it's done well. I've I've had a lot of people reach out and tell me they love the book. Tell me they bought the book. I sold a pretty decent amount of copies in person at book signings I did in LAD and Spring Valley Libraries. So um, I know they're out there. I know it's been fairly well received locally. As a person, as a writer, as an artist, you know, me, again, we're kind of in the same tier here. 
was it worth it? I mean, the time that you put in, obviously we weren't doing anything, so I guess during COVID. So, you know, time-wise, it was, you know, what else were you going to do? But the time that you put in it, you know, the energy, all that stuff for, you know, you don't know your sales, things like that. Was it worth it to you? Was it an accomplishment, a milestone for your career that you wanted to do regardless of sales, money, all that other stuff? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, like, money would have been, you know, you, you in your head as you're writing it, you're kind of seeing dollar figures like, oh, I hope, you know, I can really get some, get some good revenue out of this. But, like realistically i knew that was probably a little far-fetched this was just like again something i wanted to prove to myself i could do see how it went really learn from it i think i learned more about how i would approach a project like this again as far as like uh yeah, outlining the story more this one i really wrote by kind of the seat of my pants was just every day you go into it not knowing where I'm going with the story so um, that approach I would take differently just as terms of structure of the story and how I would write that and then like I said as far as publishing goes just having more patience probably trying the literary agent route for longer which which is tough because you you know you spend hours and hours putting together a story you're excited to get it out there but you got to wait for the publishing world to say okay we want to do this and um i just try and have more patience in in finding a literary agent or finding a more reputable small publisher to work with i think we have missed something or you said it and then i didn't catch it what is the name of your book grim sweeper and um, yeah, that's <laughs> that was a that was a working title I had. It was just kind of a play on words of of Grim Reaper, and I never thought of anything better. So it just kind of stuck. Playing on the whole janitor angle, he's a he's a pretty sad guy who who works as a janitor at a high school. So it's fitting, but I don't know. It wasn't exactly what I had in mind. But then I never thought of anything better. So. There it is. So maybe it was what you had in mind, but you're just like, eh. Yeah. It, it, it's good enough. I'll say that. I like it. I like the play on words, Grim Sweeper. I got it as soon as you <laughs> said it. Like, I like it. I was like, yeah, that's, that's what it's going to be. Very cool, very cool. Do you have any uh, sequels or any other books that you're working on now? Sequels to that specifically, I don't really see in the future. Like, direct sequel, no. There's some projects, some irons I have in the fire. Personally, I don't like to get into too many details on them because, like, half-baked projects, if I if I start talking about them, I feel like I kind of, uh, you know, you put it out there and then it seems like it's set in stone. I'm not really able to change what I already said before. So, but I, I have some things in the works that I think I would consider within the same universe as that first story, kind of like a twisted view of the Illinois Valley. Okay, okay. Well, if you write another book, I, I mean, I'm from the Illinois Valley. Well, not really from. Actually, here's a story, here's a story. You're talking about the DeKalb-Sycamore area. First of all, tell me that you go to Fatty's at least once a week. Not once a week, but I used to go... I, I used to live across the street from it when I first moved here, and I went 
pretty pretty fair amount then up in sycamore it's probably like a 20 25 minute drive for me so i still don't get there quite as much but yeah definitely go to fatty's gotta get the cajun potato salad uh, that sounds delicious right now but before i came to mendota i had a stop in the chicago sycamore area i went to uh west elementary in sycamore that movie theater downtown i seen Space Jam about ten times when it was in the theater. The good one with Michael Jordan, not the oh, yeah. not the LeBron James one, obviously. The first Power Ranger movie I saw at that movie theater probably five times. So okay. I know that area really well. And when I was a kid, I actually went to Kishwaukee College for acting classes. I thought I was going to be an actor, but I turned it over to the media writing journalism world but yeah i'm very familiar with where you're at okay no that's cool we're uh me and my girlfriend were actually looking to go to the sycamore state theater tonight they got a late showing of kevin bacon's tremors that we we're gonna catch that's a great movie and i love that that theater is still there i was working at a bank for a couple years after i left the newspaper still doing my edge of your seat podcast thing and Actually, that's what, how it started. But um, I met somebody down here that was from Sycamore, and they told me that the theater was still there, and I just instantly started smiling. I love that place. Oh, it's it's cool setup, and it's really cheap. Tickets are like six bucks or something crazy. Like compared to the big theater chains, it's it's a nice experience. Not the most comfortable seats, but hey, can't win them all, right? Yeah, you sure can't. You sure can't. Is that ice cream place still there? I don't remember the name of it, but it was like a block or two away from the movie theater. I'm only thinking of one ice cream place downtown, but What's it's like hardly ever open. Oh, there's a, if you're talking the the Dairy Ripple down the road, kind of like the old school, sort of Tasty Freeze-like setup. That's the one. Love it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's good stuff, too. Man, we could sit here and have a whole nother podcast about <laughs> Sycamore, DeKalb, Malta, Kishwaukee College. I am very familiar and got tons of memories throughout that whole place. No, it's a fun area. You know, it's got that small town vibe. It's it's not terribly uh, dissimilar from, uh, from the Ivy area, so it's a good setup here. A lot of neat things they got. The crazy thing is, is like it's got the same, you know, feel, but like... Illinois Valley is, you know, Mendota to Spring Valley to Granville to, you know, Ottawa to LaSalle, Peru, where Sycamore DeKalb, uh, we can include Malta because it's right there, is literally like right on top of each other. It's like a giant LP area, but it's the same vibe. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'd, I'd say like a little suburban feels kind of starting to bleed in up here, but, you know, that's not all bad. It usually brings nice things, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, Brett Herman, congrats on everything you're doing. Working at Kishwaukee College, writing books, being creative. It was a blast to catch up with you and hear what you're doing. So thank you for joining Edge of Your Seat Podcast. No, thanks again for having me. Uh, and yeah, hopefully I got another book down the line. Maybe you can have me back. Of course. You're always welcome here. <laughs> All right. Edge of Your Seat Podcast. We're right around the corner to postseason volleyball. So, you know, we got to talk some volleyball, especially with Barrel Valley. They have a pretty solid season going on and a coach and a player that we had to talk to. 
the coach. We're talking about Sage Barnett and the player, Kate Salisbury. Thank you for joining Edge of Your Seat Podcast. How's the season been going so far? We'll start with uh, Sage Barnett, first year coach, a Burrow Valley alum. And, you know, this is your first year, 10 and 9 record. Seems like you're, you know, putting things together. Yeah, we started this summer super busy, a lot of in the gym time, the girls getting to know me and the new coaching staff. But early on, I feel like we found a lot of success and we're just, we just keep rolling from that point. We're five and one in the conference, a competitive three rivers east and the girls are playing well. What year did you graduate from Burrow Valley? I was trying to remember. 2019. I, in my head, I thought 2018. I know it was around there. I covered your whole sports career, volleyball. You played basketball. Did a, did some? Did you play softball? Track. It was track. Shot and discus. There we go. As soon as I said softball, I was like, no, no, no. She was a thrower. Yep. Definitely. So you graduated in 19, and then you went to college, correct? Yeah, Illinois State. And now you're graduated, and you're teaching at Burrow Valley? Yep, high school PE. Okay. Are you a driver's ed teacher as well? No, I have a help endorsement, but I'm not using it at the moment. Gotcha. Usually, if you're a physical education PE teacher, then you're either driver's ed or health based with it too. Yeah, yeah they go hand in hand the majority of the time. Definitely. But this time you're like, hey, I'm going to be a minority and I'm just going to do PE. Yep. Perfect. How did you get... I don't want to say roped into it. How did you take this opportunity to get back with the storm and coach volleyball? Well, the job posting opened during my student teaching in the spring. Um, and I knew that I wanted to come back to BV any opportunity that I got. And the timing works out perfectly. Actually, in my teaching interview, the topic of coaching got brought up and we just kind of went from there. This job was also open and I was more than willing, excited, also nervous about taking it. But the athletic director, Mr. Bickett, has been nothing but supportive. The girls have been awesome. And we actually got a whole new coaching staff. So the other two are new to this whole gig, too. And they're doing great. What are the names of the other two new coaches? Um, Nikki Hart and Megan Flowers. They're also BV alum. So it is just a BV alumna circuit over there it is it is we love place and we all come back no doubt no doubt i honestly was not surprised when i saw that you were the new coach it didn't you know set off like hey why is she back nothing like that i was like oh yeah makes sense i'm glad she's there yeah it makes sense you said just a bit ago you know the team's gelling playing well together i know a part of it is having a player like kate salisbury get to her in just a second But how was it, you know, meeting these girls, you know, having them gel together to be a team when everybody was kind of new to each other? Honestly, I'm not going to take any credit for it. I don't know. We showed up. The girls knew from the get-go that me especially, but also the rest of the coaching staff were competitive. We like to win, and we have to work hard to get there. So I think just kind of walking in this summer – knowing that we're all on the same page and made it a lot easier and the girls are willing to put in the work. That's awesome. Kate, do you agree with coach Barnett at the beginning of the season? You're like, Hey, we're here. Let's play some volleyball and we'll learn. Yeah, I do agree with her. And this is your senior season. Yep. 
So how, you know, from freshman to senior, you know, every year you're advancing, you're learning, you're improving. How has this team seemed to gel even with a new coach coming into the season? And, you know, we're right around the corner from postseason, 19 games or matches in for you guys. You know, how do you think everything's come together? Um, our team is working really well together. Us five seniors have been playing together since sixth grade. We kind of got split up in high school with some of us being brought up on varsity during my sophomore year. But this year we're finally all back together. And with the underclassmen, we all get along on the court and off the court. We do lots of team bonding outside of the gym. And I feel like that really helps on the court during games. All right. If you can help me with the other four seniors, I know there's a Caitlin Stoller. So there's Caitlin Stoller, Emma Stabler, Callie Micklig, and Maddie Micklig. So you guys all played like junior high, kid volleyball together. And then you get to high school, sophomore year, you get pulled up. Did anybody else get pulled up with you to varsity? Emma Stabler got pulled up as well. So you and Emma get pulled up. And then now this is the first time all five of you are back together. Yes. Last year, four of us were on varsity, but Maddie Micklig took a year off. So we didn't have all five of us. We only had four. So this year, all five of us are finally back. So the excitement coming into this volleyball season was pretty high. Yeah. Is it still at that same level? You know, 19 matches in? Yeah, it is. Set a couple times playoffs right around the corner. Is there any expectations? You know, this is the senior year. The group of the five of you are back together. What are your guys' goals or what have you set to like, hey, we got to do this, our last go around here? Um, since eighth grade, we've been talking about how cool it is to, if we could win a regional, because eighth grade year, we were going into the regional championship. And that day we were supposed to play, things got shut down from COVID. So we never got the opportunity. So all throughout high school, we were like, how cool would it be to win a regional? And this would be the year to do it with everyone back. Oh, that dreaded COVID. Everybody's got a COVID story. Yep. It's no fun, is it? No, not at all. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. You know, with Coach Barnett, was there anything different from the way that you guys had played volleyball before? Did she bring in any changes or do anything different that you guys had to get accustomed through during the season? Um, she's very hands-on. So in practice, like instead of just explaining, she'll like demonstrate. We never have questions because she explains things very well and just shows us how, how to do it. We have this saying that no one outworks us, whether we come out on top or we lose. We leave that gym knowing that nobody outworks our, our team. Good stuff. I was just looking at who is in your guys' sectional, subsection B. You guys are in the Princeton sectional. And besides Newman, some kind of different opponents for you. I guess you guys would play Orion and Morrison. We got Oregon, Rock Island, Alleman, Rock Falls. Some some different matches for you guys. Actually, we haven't seen Morrison besides a tournament since track is split east and west now. So Orion is undefeated on the other side, the west side. There's a lot of competition in our subsectional. I think that we have four, if not five or six teams that should make it out of a regional. And unfortunately, that's just not going to happen. We'll see two teams win a regional and then show up at Princeton. 
but it's just luck of the draw. We're going to have our work cut out for us, but I don't doubt that the girls are going to rise to the occasion. Definitely. And I mean, if you think about it, and this could be said when you were playing volleyball for Burrow Valley as well, the volleyball in this area is really tough to get even a regional title. I mean, there's a lot of great teams on all levels. There is. And we're seeing just, I mean, we get a little bit of these schools outside of our conference and some tournaments were in three this year. Um, so we've seen Rock Falls. We kind of know what they have. They have Claire Bickett, which is our athletic director's daughter. She's a solid player, solid coaching staff just across the board when we look at the programs that are in our uh, subsectional. It's not easy. I know people are like, oh, you haven't won a regional or, you know, it's your season isn't nothing if you don't get to a regional championship. But I don't think people understand how difficult it is in this area. Yeah, it's easier said than for sure. Well, it just takes building. It takes from when girls start to play volleyball in sixth grade, building a solid program. I think that that's why our junior high staffs are important um, because other schools are doing it. Other schools are starting so young now that we all got to be on the same page. And Kate, I know we were just talking about conference opponents and stuff like that. I seen on September 19th against Mendota, you reached 1,000 assists and you're the school record holder. That had to be a awesome, amazing moment for you. Yeah, it was a great feeling. Was it something that you've been shooting for during your high school career to be like, hey, I want to, you know, mark my place at the school in the sport that I love? Like, hey, I did something here. Yeah, it was. I remember looking freshman or sophomore year at the leaderboard for assist and I saw that like the highest the number one had like 500 and I was like okay I'll try and beat it throughout my career and you doubled it (laughs) yep (laughs) so it's like hey you know I'm not just gonna take this record I'm gonna own it yep good stuff after your senior year volleyball do you plan on going to college playing volleyball anywhere are you involved in any other sports what are your plans after your senior year Um, I also do basketball and track, but if I do go to play somewhere, I want to go for volleyball. I'm not sure if I want to. It depends on what I want to do. I kind of want to go study nursing, and I feel like nursing and playing can be a lot, so I just got to see. Oh, yeah. It's almost decision-making time. Yeah. You still got some time, a little bit left, though. A little bit. Enjoy it while it's there, because before you know it, it'll be decision-making time, and you got to figure out what's next. Yep. Well, Kate Salisbury, Burrow Valley senior, the volleyball team, and first-year coach, what a BV alumnus, Sage Barnett. Thank you so much for joining Edge of Your Seat Podcast, and we wish you the best of luck going into the postseason. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you.